I'm Dan Potter, host of the KRMG Morning News with Dan Potter on 1023 KRMG, Tulsa's News and Talk. And these are the Damp Otter Files, conversations with Tulsa's most fascinating people. This time, the science of hope with the director of the Hope Research Center at the University of Oklahoma Tulsa campus, Dr. Chan Hellman. Chan's been a repeat guest on the KRMG Morning News. We tend to call him when things seem hopeless because, well, Chan Hellman has proven through his research that hope is a way of thinking, a way of thinking that has real power, power to change lives. Chan Hellman's findings are so well regarded that Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt gave Dr. Hellman the mission of creating a hope-centered state government. And he was recently featured in a Time Magazine article entitled, How to Cultivate Hope When You Don't Have Any. Chan Hellman chatted with me this week from Oklahoma City. I thought about you a lot last week, I gotta tell you. So we every year do a thing called Stories of Light for Make-A-Wish Oklahoma. And uh, started out 18 years ago, made $30,000 first year. This is when Joe Kelly hosted the morning show. I took it over in 2012, and he had made great strides by then. And uh, shortly after that, we became Make-A-Wish Oklahoma's number one revenue, single revenue source every year. Um, Over $300,000 most years and over $4 total raised. But the reason the context I was thinking of you in is, of course, hope. Because I was trying to tell listeners and and potential donors the tangible nature of hope Mm -hmm. and that it's not just this ethereal thing and that it is a commodity. It's a social gift. It is something that we can give right now. And I wish we had connected next year. I will make a point of talking to you during stories of light. But I thought, you know, the next best thing we can do is I have this podcast. And uh, we could talk a little bit about hope, especially Thanksgiving week. What a great time to talk about it, huh? Absolutely, absolutely. How how are you? First of all, I am uh, I am good. Um, everything's uh, going well professionally. Um, hope is uh, just really exploding. Time Magazine just did a piece uh, that just came out, and uh, uh, we are all over the nation now. I think we're in. 12 states doing doing this work so did you move the hope research center from ou tulsa is it still there it's still there it's just that i travel all the time sure 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 yeah and you're in norman right now i'm actually in uh in oklahoma city so when the governor and the first lady declared that oklahoma was going to become a hope-centered state uh, it allowed me to start working with all the state agencies, and we've trained close to 30,000 state employees now uh, around hope. And I got to tell you, we found significant reductions in burnout and uh, secondary stress. And the Oklahoma Department of Human Services now reports a 17% reduction in turnover with significant improvements in hope in the workforce. Can you, in a nutshell, sum up the kind of training that you gave those state employees? Yeah, so we've developed a, uh, a multi-tiered uh, training for an organization. And, um, you know, hope is such a powerful predictor of well-being. And I just really started to think about it as a framework for action. Uh, 
Um, so we basically do an executive leadership training um, and we train uh, the executive leadership team on what is hope, why it is important to uh, workforce well-being and individual well-being. Um, and then we begin to really start looking at like policy and procedures and, and framework uh, around uh, the science of hope. We do an all staff training so that every staff member learns about hope. And then we have a 12 hour, two day, what we call a hope navigator training. And we train these employees to actually develop a strategic implementation plan of how they're going to infuse hope into work workforce activities like um, a hope-centered performance evaluation. Hmm. Well, I, <laughs> I'm curious what that looks like. Yeah. Well, so as you know, hope is about goals, pathways, and willpower. Yeah. So what we began to look at was the organization has a mission. The division or program has program goals. Um, and so the supervisor and employee work together to identify employee goals um, towards the goals of the program, towards the mission of the organization. But more importantly, every supervisor gets to have a conversation with an employee about an aspirational goal that they have. Hmm. So if I'm, um, you know, uh, an employee at some organization, but my goal is to raise money for Make-A-Wish Make Foundation that I want to really give service to, to, to an organization that's close to my heart. Now the supervisor can begin to identify activities within the organization that help me as an employee pursue that goal. So the organization is now a pathway for my aspirations. You know, if I didn't know you and if we hadn't talked about this a lot before, that would all the 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 idea of having a hope-centered government would seem really wishy-washy. <laughs> but but this is concrete, Jan. This is real goal setting, mm -hmm. goals that are centered on the that person's aspirations and not somebody else's aspirations for them. That's right. And and that lead to, as you've already said, real progress. Right. You know, 17% reduction in attrition out of the, was it DHS? Yeah. Out of yeah. DHS. That's remarkable. <clears throat> if, if we, if we estimate that the replacement of an employee training recruit, I mean, recruitment interviews, all the costs associated, and we, we be conservative and we replace a child welfare worker, um, that's going to be about $60,000. And so if you, compound that to a 17% reduction in turnover, uh, the return on investment's about $61 million saved for you for Oklahoma taxpayers. For listeners who haven't heard your definition of hope, let's see how close I can get to it, see how well I remember it. Hope is knowing that tomorrow can be better than today and knowing that you also have the ability to make it that way. Is that close? That is very close. In, in fact, so close, I may steal it, uh, Dan. <laughs> so you're, you're right. It, it is, uh, it's actually the belief or the expectation 
that uh, tomorrow can be better and that we have the power to make it so. And so in this way, the important aspect of this definition is that hope is a way of thinking. It's a cognitive process. And we typically in conversation treat hope as a feeling, as an emotion. And the importance of understanding that hope is a cognitive process or a way of thinking is to know that we can teach it. Hmm. It's something that can be learned. And anything else is a wish, right? Yeah. So, you know, I hope, uh, I hope there are no tornadoes today. Uh, um, so while I have a lot of mental energy and willpower towards, you know, that, that idea, I have no pathways, I have no control over the weather. And so the desire for something with no strategy is the definition of a wish. So wishing is passive towards the future. Hope is about taking action to pursue that future. So. You have to have a goal. You have to have that pathway, a way to get to the goal. And then the third, maybe the most difficult is you have to have willpower. Right. And I've heard you say that willpower is, you know, a, a limited commodity at any certain point in, in your day, you've got a limited capacity of willpower. Um, and I think about people in the darkest situations, let's say, let's say in, in, in Gaza right now, right. You know, where do they find willpower? Where do people who are at their lowest find willpower? Sure. Um, so obviously a very difficult situation. And we could point to many others, um, you know, similar to that or even closer to home, domestic violence, um, you know, child maltreatment, um, homelessness, uh, you know, yeah. homeless families, homeless youth. And really uh, the way that we begin to focus on hope in that context is really short term specific goals. So. Um, really it's survival hope in, in that regard. So what is, what is the goal today and what are the strategies that I can use, um, you know, to get there from here? I, I will tell you, Dan, that, that what we have found repeatedly in our research is that when you and I are experiencing distress, um, what's going on in the Mideast, for instance, um, when individuals are experiencing distress, um, we're just so much more likely to set avoidant goals or outcomes that we do not want to occur. But when we see hope restored, we see a transition towards that aspiration, right? And we have to recognize that um, today what's going on right now, avoidance may be an important survival technique. And so how do we find those strategies to, to get there and it, it falls under that idea that hope begets hope, right? The idea that as I begin to find some small successes and steps towards my goal, it increases that energy that I can, I can go further. So sort of, I, I did it yesterday. I can do it again today. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, think about during the pandemic, you know, the, when the pandemic first first hit, you know, we were all, you know, remote working and, and all of that to avoid exposure, which, you know, ex avoiding exposure is a good thing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But where does it come from? You fear. Know, fear and uncertainty. And so fear and uncertainty can turn to desperation. And so it's really important that you know, we start to think about things like collective hope, 
and how do we as a community or as a society begin to lean in that hope is a social gift that you mentioned that you know some of us have some capacity to to lend hope to others um, during some of these difficult times and it's it's a real thing and that takes us full circle back to to make a wish right. you know you um I, I watched your TEDx talk not too long ago and 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 in it I don't think you told this story when when you were on the air with us, but you have a great analogy about hope begetting hope involving driving a manual <laughs> transmission car. Now I'm of that generation, and so are you, Chan. Where we know that we we know that feeling. We've tried to drive that manual car, and we learned how to do it. But do you mind telling us that story? Yeah, so yeah. My thought: people are going to be sitting around the Thanksgiving table talking about hope. Hopefully, you know, yeah. and especially listen to this podcast, I want them to be able to say, here's a great story that explains how we can actually give hope right. and give it to ourselves. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so, you know, you're right. Let's, let's think back, uh, you know, when we were, you know, thinking about desiring that idea of driving. And so our goal is that we want to drive and we want the freedom associated with driving. Uh, but for some of us, the only pathway that we had available was this manual transmission vehicle. So if we want that goal, we have to figure out, you know, how to do that. So I'll, I'll just invite your listeners to think about that, you know, and, you know, just uh, this idea that, you know, um, uh, we've got to figure out that hand-eye coordination of the clutch, the gas, the brake, and, you know, all of that. And so, um you know, so let's just add a, a couple of small pieces of adversity to this hypothetical scenario. And so uh, let's ask your listeners to just imagine for a moment that they're going to drive a manual transmission vehicle for the very first time. Now, for some of us, we've had that experience. So just remember back to that very first time, you know, the, the fear, the anxiety, maybe some excitement. Um, but anyway, just sort of that uh, really charged up. Uh, I wish feet. that you had three feet, one for the gas <laughs> brake and clutch. Right, right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so let's add two small pieces of adversity. So let's imagine, Dan, that you're going to drive this manual transmission um, for the very first time. But unfortunately, the first piece of adversity is you're parked uphill. I mean, mm. you're you're on a fairly you're you're parked up crybaby hill, right there, okay. in, uh, you know, a, ser a serious hill. And uh, more importantly, there's a brand new BMW parked immediately behind you. And so, in that moment, you've got the car started. You're in first gear. You're getting ready to let the clutch out up this very steep hill with a brand new BMW immediately behind you. So, as you let that clutch out, I'll ask your listeners to think about this. In that moment, what is your goal? And most often what people will tell me is don't hit the BMW. Right. So I'll just remind you that that's an avoidant goal. And, and, and it helped the, you survive that situation. And not hitting the BMW is a good goal. Yeah. It's a good right. Goal. right. Yeah. But it comes from fear and uncertainty. So let's say you let the clutch out and you didn't hit the BMW, but you killed the engine. Um, and we all did that. Right. And so if we remember back to that first moment and what we what we were thinking to ourselves in that moment was, I can't do this. I'll never be able to do this. And in all honesty, that's really the self-talk in a low hope scenario. It's the I can't do this. And then we have to think about, well, why didn't we quit? 
if we thought we couldn't do this, why didn't we quit? And it's because we desired the goal. We desired the outcome. Hmm. And what we know is the more that we desire that outcome, the more likely we're going to face adversity to overcome it. So let's say that we start or we start the car back up and this time we let the clutch out, but we lurch uphill. We're going uphill. We're successful. And uh, practice makes perfect. So pull over, turn the car off. Uh, we'll do it again. So the third time we let the clutch out, um, you know, start the car up, we let the clutch out and we kill the engine again. But what are we saying to ourselves now about our ability to drive? We know we can do it. We've done it before. We can yeah. do it again. And we may be still in that avoided framework, like don't ever park on a hill again. But we're shifting from the I can't do this to the I can do this. I've done it before, even if it was luck. It's possible. And that's the essence of hope is that it's possible. Um, and that's also the power of failure, too, oh, in, yeah. in a way. Right. And, and you know, I think our society uh, devalues failure. Um, and if, if, if we can tell ourselves, well, we've faced this failure before, but we learned a little bit of something from it, we can keep going. It, it's wisdom, Dan. It, it, oh. I mean, you, you and I both have so many histories, we all do, of, you know, memories of where we stubbed our toe and we learned how to get around that. I mean, and that, that's, part, that's part of the pathways development is we have the ability to learn. We have the ability to watch how others uh, achieve similar goals. So, and watching others fail and what they do with that um, is very helpful. Thanksgiving. I, I couldn't leave this discussion without asking what you what you're thankful for this year. Oh my gosh, uh, I am so thankful for my four grandchildren. They, uh, right. uh, you know, being being a grandparent is everything you'd hoped being a parent would be. Yes, it is. <laughs> I got six now. Five Dude, years ago we had six. zero. Now we have six. Oh, it happens oh, fast. Yeah, mine fourteen. Uh, let's see, fourteen, seven, five, and one, two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you have great hope for their future. I, I, uh, I do. I'm, I am doing this every day so that I can possibly find strategies to help them have a future that is better than today. Chan, thank you. Uh, thank you, Dan. Delightful. Catching up with you. Yeah. Great to see you. Dr. Chan Hellman, Executive Director of the OU Hope Research Center. Our theme music is written and performed by Tulsa's Aaron J. Morton. I'm Dan Potter. Until next time, I'll talk to you on the radio.